0: Welcome to the Viking Age Podcast, part of the Fan Sided Podcast Network. Now, please welcome your host, Adam Patrick.
1: All right, welcome to the Viking Age Podcast, the official podcast for thevikingage.com. I'm your host, Adam Patrick. I'm the editor and lead writer for. The Viking Age. Before we get started, make sure to follow The Viking Age on Twitter and Facebook. The site's username on Twitter is at The Viking Age, and you can follow the site's Facebook page by heading to facebook.com slash The Viking Age. All right, joining the show today is Jeff Diamond. Jeff is the former team president and COO of the Tennessee Titans, but most importantly, he worked for the Vikings from 1976 to 1998. And during his final years with the Vikings, he was the team's senior vice president of football operations, de facto general manager, uh, whatever you would like to call it. So welcome to the show, Jeff.
0: Thank you, Adam. Appreciate it.
1: No problem. Before we get started, I know you have your own podcast. uh, So what is the name of your podcast so people can go check that out and give it a listen?
0: Yeah, thank you. It's, it's, It's Jeff Diamonds, Vikings and NFL Insider. And it's on the Talk North network, TalkNorth.com. And I do the show every week with Jim Suhan, who is uh, one of the lead columnists for the Minneapolis Star Tribune, and have a lot of fun doing the show. And, and I've done a lot of other media work and getting ready to do uh, do the draft and doing a bunch of stuff with, with draft around the country and different uh, outlets. I'm going to be working for actually, interestingly, Indianapolis Colts Radio Network and doing mm-hmm. uh, a couple of shows with them that uh over draft weekend so looking forward to that and and so yeah it's been a lot of fun doing a lot of different projects and was writing a weekly column for sportingnews.com mm-hmm. and until the pandemic hit <laughs> and so i'm hoping to be returning there soon and do do my work with an nfl agent group now uh, and looking forward to the draft coming up we've got a couple of, of really good prospects in this draft, One of them, Rashad Bateman, wide receiver out of Minnesota, oh, yeah. who's projected hopefully to go in the first round, which yep. we would love to see. Yep. And, and we've got uh, Tommy Togiai, the a defensive tackle from Ohio State, should be a mid-round pick and hopefully maybe third or second, third round. And and then we have a bunch of other guys, so looking forward to the draft. And But I, I re- I've really enjoyed my work in the Asian firm too, kind of different to be on the player side versus mm-hmm. the management side. But we have a lot of great clients, guys like Adam Thielen, uh, Who's CJ Hamm, guy? I never several heard of Vikings. Him. Yeah, right. <laughs> Stephen Weatherly and, <laughs> and uh, Jalen Holmes, uh, mm-hmm. Tyler Conklin. We got, we got a bunch of Vikings we represent.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, we're very familiar with the, with that agency. But all right. So we mentioned the draft. We're a week away from the start of the 20, 2021 NFL draft. So teams are finalizing all of their big boards and a bunch of, of other things. So when you were an NFL executive, what were some of the things that took place in the front office uh, during the week leading up to the draft?
0: Well, I think by this point, everybody was very anxious to get to the draft. It had been a long process over the previous, for for the administration and, and for the coaches, about four months period. But of course, for our scouts, it had been a couple of years mm-hmm. that they'd been watching these players and scouting the players and so you get to the to the week before the draft and it's almost uh over analysis can lead to paralysis type of situation so i, I think at this point in time you're just kind of going through some mock drafts you in, internally you're, you're kind of looking at different scenarios you're kind of fine-tuning your board making sure that you know what direction you want to go having some preliminary trade talks with teams that may want to come up to your spot or you may want to move up further and so just a lot of different conversations going on some some final look at some video of some players that you may want to make sure of Mm -hmm. and uh, essentially it's just kind of waiting for for draft day to get here over this last week or so but I think this year has been really different and very strange and unique for for the NFL execs that I've talked to around the league and some of my friends in the league and just it's been so bizarre with the pandemic mm-hmm. and and with the with no combine this year with uh, limited pro days and and I think limited medical yep I think maybe half the players it, that p- p- potentially could be drafted went to Indianapolis for medical and so that leaves a lot of question marks on a lot of other players that could be drafted in the fourth through seventh round if only 150 players have I've actually done medical checks in indianapolis with with team doctors so it's it's a really different situation this year and just i think that all the you haven't had an opportunity to, to interview players in person at the combine which was really a i always felt a real important part of the process mm-hmm. to kind of get to know them personally and kind of get a feel for their personalities which which you can get to a certain extent with virtual interviews but it's just yeah. not the same as we know right. and so it's it's a it's a different year and but i think at this point a week before the draft everybody's just kind of getting everything everything buttoned up and and getting ready to go in there and everybody's anxious
1: oh yeah even you know we're all anxious too you know i i, yeah, so I cover part. and i'm i'm ready for you know this is one of the busiest times of the year so it's always i'm always like that week after is just like a big relief like whew, okay
0: yeah, so. <laughs> exactly and and, and it's, it's it's kind of fascinating to me to see the changes in the draft from when I first started in mm-hmm. the league and when I first started even as a GM but but going back even further to my days in in kind of the front, in the front office as an assistant GM or even mm-hmm. going back to when I started as as a, in PR and, and communications and in those days we would have maybe four media <laughs> media people coming to Cover the draft at, at our at our headquarters, and they'd be down in the tr- in the media room. And mm-hmm. c- compared to compared to today, where it's it's, it's extravaganza, where you oh, yeah. got hundreds of media people and 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 uh, whatever thirty forty players going to the site of the draft. Which mm-hmm. I don't know how they're doing that this year. If they're actually bringing them into into Cleveland, or if they're mm-hmm. not, or how how that's going to work. And it's just so different. And the draft has just become such a massive event oh, yeah. which great for the NFL because it keeps them in the news in the off season but it's just very different than what it was i think now there's 800 mock drafts and those days yeah. were maybe one or two <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah did your did your teams that you worked with have um did they have a specific strategy when it came to picking players in the draft especially in the early rounds like did you guys always draft for best player available or did you guys draft more for need or did it really just depend on the year and, you know, what your current roster looked like?
0: Well, I think really in, in the early rounds, especially the first and second round, we had a very strong plan that we wanted to draft the best athlete available okay. unless unless it was a quarterback and, right. and we had a franchise quarterback at the time, such as when I was in Tennessee, we had Steve McNair. Yep. We weren't going to draft the quarterback obviously, when, he, when we have an MVP Pro Bowl-type quarterback. But I think other than that, we really were always going to try to draft the best player available. And, and I think there was, especially I, I think early in my Viking years, oftentimes it was a kind of leaning towards the guys in the trenches, the offensive yep. linemen, the defensive linemen in, in, in that first round, second round, although we would occasionally stray from that, and certainly we did we took for example robert smith as as the running back out of ohio state some receiver
1: in, the in yeah
0: and then we took randy moss in 1998 <laughs> of course which was a great story and <laughs> which we can talk about but that was certainly one of one of the more fascinating drafts that i was involved with mm-hmm. and and it was uh amazing how that came about and amazing how what a great player he became and which, which we had anticipated, of course, and had hoped for, but you just never know Yeah. because, as we know, anything can happen. Oh, yeah. And I think that's what, make, that's what makes the draft very interesting every year, and especially when you're looking at quarterbacks and looking at, for example, this year's draft and everybody's projecting quarterbacks and five quarterbacks in the top, whatever, 13th,
1: 14th
0: pick. And the Vikings are certainly hoping, and, and that was kind of our feeling going into in drafts when we knew we had a quarterback, we would hope that other teams would take quarterbacks yeah. ahead of us, which would make the, the the top other position players fall to us. And I'm sure that's what what Rick Spielman and Mike Zimmer are thinking now going into this draft, like, hey, go ahead and draft all those quarterbacks and take Lawrence and Wilson and Fields and Mac Jones and Trey Lance. Go ahead and take all those guys because that's going to drop all those top offensive and defensive linemen that I think they're interested in down to them.
1: Oh for sure, yeah, they're 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 ready for that to happen. Alright everyone, this podcast is brought to you by Danette May and Mindful Health LLC, featuring Danette May's top superfood product from her Earth Echo Foods line, Cacao Bliss. Nothing feels better than being able to enjoy rich, smooth, creamy chocolate and knowing you are doing something good for your body. They start with 100% organic cacao beans that are naturally kissed by the sun, maintaining its miraculous health benefits. Then we blend it with turmeric, MCT oil, coconut, Himalayan sea salt, cinnamon, and black pepper for the perfect blend to make you feel the best you ever have. The result? Fall in love with a truly decadent, healthy, and guilt-free chocolate removing your cravings, facilitating weight loss, boosting your energy and reducing your inflammation with one simple drink. It is friendly to paleo, gluten-free, keto, vegan and vegetarian diets. We are offering up to 15% off when you use the code MINUTE15. That's M I N U T E 1 5. That's minute 15. So you can get 15% off your purchase by using the code MINUTE15. Head to earthechofoods.com slash Uh You mentioned, we talked about the combine, how there wasn't one this year um, and how that impacts everything. But during your time as an NFL executive, how much did a prospect's just performance at the combine or even in a pro day impact your evaluation of them?
0: I would say it was it was part of the puzzle, <laughs> but but realistically, and I would always say that in the draft room uh, in my years as a GM and a team president, I would say, yeah, the measurables are important. Mm-hmm. We want to know how fast they run, how high they jump, how much they can lift, all those type of things. We want to know their test score on the Wonderlick We want to see how they interview. The medical mm-hmm. is extremely important, but, but to me, I, I would always say, how do they play? Let's look at how they yep. play. And let's let's watch them on tape. That's the most important thing. We had guys such as Chris Carter and Anthony Carter at the Vikings that yep. would maybe maybe run four or five, uh, but when the ball was in the air, <laughs> they're they're running faster. Uh, AC would run probably four or four when the ball's in the air, mm-hmm. and and Chris Carter nobody ran better routes than him or had better right. hands than him, and and I, I don't know that Chris was ever faster than than four, five, 5 or four six. But I, I think so, so that was kind of my philosophy and I, I would be very strong on that and say, hey, let's focus primarily on how they played. And then secondarily, let's get get all the measurable, all the other information. The medical is obviously important. <clears throat> and to me, the most important things at the Combine were the medical and the interviews yeah. and, and really the on field stuff was, was more window dressing. Yeah. To see how how they did, how they handled the pressure and all that, but, but but less important than how they play.
1: Yeah, for sure. I think that's uh it's become a lot bigger than probably people like people like you um obviously make it it's obviously not as important, I think, for for NFL GMs as, as people might think, because, you know, like you said, these guys have already put their work in on on tape and everything, but you know things like you said, like the measurables and everything. Those those are important. Those are why everyone's there watching these guys. But looking back, is there one player that maybe you passed on in the draft that that maybe still bothers you to this day?
0: Uh, I, I think perhaps Warren Sapp might be uh, one. Okay, and and going back to that draft, I think it might have been ninety four or so, ninety five.
1: It was uh, April 95. 22nd. Yeah. It was uh, yeah. today. Today's April yeah. 22nd. Because I was just looking at that because yeah. you guys drafted Corey Stringer. Um, in
0: yeah. 95. Yeah, well, but, but I think in the year, in the particular, I thought in the year that, that we, we passed on Warren Sapp, we actually drafted Derek Alexander.
1: Yeah, same year. You guys and, had two first-round picks. Yeah.
0: yeah, exactly. And so, um, and Derek Alexander was a, very, was a very good player. He was a starter for us for several years, but mm-hmm. Warren Sapp was a, a Hall yeah. of Fame caliber player, yeah. and and helped the the Buccaneers to Super Bowl success. And yeah. and I think what what happened in that particular year, there was there were a lot of character questions about SAP and and allegedly uh, drug use and and who knows if yeah. how if, if clubs had folded some of that stuff out to to push him down in the draft or whatever. But I think he ended up going. I think we picked eleventh and we took Alexander. And then right after he takes Warren Sapp. Yeah. And, and that, that's one that, that kind of I, I certainly remember. I, I remember a lot of other picks that, of, of players that that we we wanted to draft and, and couldn't quite get to, and and for for whatever reason, a team took them right ahead of us or something like that. And I think another really interesting draft was that that 1999 draft, which was my last draft in Minnesota yep. when we took down to the Culpeper, yep. and there were there were a lot of people in our draft from a lot of our a lot of our scouts and personnel people. They really wanted to go defensive line, pass rush. We were coming off the fifteen and one season, and I, 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 we certainly had a, a potent offense at that po- point mm-hmm. in time. And I had just traded Brad Johnson to Washington, yep. and so and R- Randall Cunningham had been the MVP in the league. So we made the decision to trade Johnson, but we got a first, second, third round pick for the deal. Right. And, and I think one of those picks was the 11th pick on that draft, which was Alexander. But anyway, so I think what was really interesting how that all unfolded is that, as I said, there was a lot of, there a lot of sentiment in the room to, to go ahead and take a, a defensive player. And the guy that, that our, our scouts loved was Javon Kurtz. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and some of our scouts were, were also thinking, well, we need a quarterback for the future. <clears throat> so there was certainly a healthy debate. And as it turned out, we decided that okay, well, let's go ahead and and, and take the, the quarterback because we don't know if we're ever going to be up this high in the drafting.
1: Yeah,
0: hopefully we're not going to be <laughs> because we feel, we felt we usually we were drafting in the twenties because we were kind of a perennial playoff team at that point in time. Mm-hmm. And so we thought, okay, well, let's let's make the decision, take the quarterback, and then let's try to get let's maybe try to trade back in the first round, maybe try to get Javon Curse. And and so as, as it all unfolded in that draft. So we take Culpepper on the phone with all these clubs that are picking after us and saying, hey, we'll package uh, so several picks, our, our second, our first next year, players, whatever, and, and try to get another first-round pick to get curse. Yeah. And and so the last conversation I had was with Floyd Reese, who was the GM of the, of the, of the Tennessee Titans. Mm-hmm. And so I'm on the phone with Floyd, and he goes, no, no, we, we got the guy we, we want, and and we're, we're getting ready to take him, sorry. And and so, sure enough, they go ahead and draft Javon Curse. Yep. I think it was like with the 16th pick or something. And and then a, as things develop, which I didn't even see happening at that point in time, but a month later, my contract's up, and and I've got offers from all these other places. I've just been named NFL Executive of the Year, mm-hmm. and I'm in a power struggle with Denny Green, who wants to be the GM after, I'm the head coach, and we have a new owner in Red McCombs, and so I kind of make the decision, hey, hey maybe it's time to move on. And, and so as, as it developed, I had, I had offers from several teams, but one of them included the, the Tennessee Titans, and Bud Adams called me. And, and so I ended up taking that job because it was a team president and COO job compared to other GM jobs. Mm-hmm. And so I, first thing I did when I went down to Tennessee and so Floyd was I said, Thank you, Floyd, for not making that trade with me. Yeah. I'm sure glad that we've got Javon here. And as it turned out, Javon Kurz had fifteen sacks, yeah. ten force fumbles, was defensive rookie of the year and helped lead us to the Super Bowl that year. Yeah. So it, it was it, it all turned out for the best. <laughs> he
1: was he was fun to watch. That's that's for sure. Th- this yeah. this year's draft reminds me a lot of that ninety nine draft where there were a lot of quarterbacks that were supposed to go in the first, you know, ten picks and that kinda actually did because yeah. you had Tim Couch and Keeley Smith and I believe McNabb was that year too. Yep. Yeah, Culpepper. You know, there's a lot of a lot of quarterbacks in that draft just like there is this year. All right, we we mentioned him. You mentioned him earlier. Randy Moss. I gotta gotta ask you something about him because personally he is my favorite player. He's the reason why okay. I got into the Vikings, um, so just how much scouting and time did you guys even spend on on Moss heading into the the '98 draft? Because he was a Heisman finalist, and most figured he'd probably be gone after the first ten picks.
0: Yeah, we well, we certainly did scouted all the players, of course. Yeah, and, and I think that in terms of Randy's situation, it it kind of as it developed. We, we really didn't think he was ever going to get down to us at the 21st pick in the first round. Right. We, we, we had him rated as a top-five talent in that draft and the best receiver, and and we thought for sure the Cowboys would take him at eight or somebody in the top ten was going to take him. Uh, but we had certainly done our, our scouting on him, and and I think what really helped us, because a lot of these teams were passing on him, because of, of concerns about his character. Yeah. And, of course, as the history went, he he had had some, some issues in high school, had a bad, had a bad fight that he was involved with. Yeah. He lost his scholarship to Notre Dame, Florida State, mm-hmm. ends up at Marshall. But I think what really gave us kind of an inside look at him was that one of our scouts, Conrad Cardano, <clears throat> had, had coached with the Marshall coaching staff at, mm-hmm. at one point and, and knew their head coach, Bob Pruitt, very well. <clears throat> and Bob told him, Hey, we've never had any problems with Randy and he's been a great player here. And even though we we don't play in the competition of the SEC or the Big Ten or whatever, you rest assured he's going to be a big time player. Yeah. And and I think the other thing that that so he starts falling in the draft into the teens, and then we thought, well, wow, th- this could really possibly happen. And I never thought he'd get to us, and we're getting about three, four picks away. And and I got on the phone with with Chris Carter, who's our Hall of Fame receiver, and and one of the team leaders, and I said, Chris, and, and Chris had had some issues early in his career that he overcame. Um, and so I, I said, Chris, if we draft this this kid, will you help mentor him? And, and Chris said, absolutely. I know what kind of talent he is and what he can do for us uh, offensively, even though we already had Chris Carter and Jake Reed, who were both thousand-yard receivers. But, but even still, to add a guy like Randy Moss to that offense was, was kind of the the tipping point that made it a record-setting offense oh yeah and and so when, once i had talked to chris and and we kind of all had the the feeling that hey we can't pass on this guy even though we, we want some defensive help and so we went ahead and drafted randy and of course the rest is history that he with a 17 touchdown receptions mm-hmm. offensive rookie of the year we go 15 and one should have gone to the super bowl with that team mm-hmm. <laughs> if not for that awful a loss in the championship game to Atlanta. Yeah. That was about the worst loss of my NFL career. But certainly Randy Moss, a great player. But what was also interesting about that, Adam, that kind of the story is that I'm negotiating his contract, and and I'm negotiating clauses into that contract with certain s- stipulations that if he if he has any issues, if he gets arrested, if he has any yeah. suspensions from the NFL, that he's going to have to give back. bunch of signing books Mm -hmm. and so we signed the contract and and randy looks at me and says you never have a problem with this clause don't worry about it and then lo and behold 20 some years later i called him to congratulate him on getting in the hall of fame and he said jeff remember that clause in that (laughs) contract I told you that you would never have to collect on that clause, and as it turned out for me, of course, I was down in Tennessee a year later, mm-hmm. so I wasn't really worried about it. Mm-hmm. But the team never had to worry about it either, no. as it turned out.
1: Yeah, he had a couple of fines here and there, but it wasn't anything to
0: no, you know, no, make not, it, not, to not make a suspension. And 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 I and it's uh, I was I'm really happy for the kind of career he had. And oh yeah, as I said when I called him about the Hall of Fame, we had a great conversation and a great visit. And so, very happy for how things turned out.
1: Oh, for sure. Uh, was there anyone in the Vikings front office or, or coaching staff in '98 that didn't want the team to draft Randy Moss?
0: No, not yeah. really. I, I mean, maybe some defensive coaches. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I think I'm sure that I'm sure the defensive coaches, uh, maybe Coach Fazio and some of the other guys, mm-hmm. our defensive coordinator, may may have wanted to go a different direction, but I, I'm sure that. As we look at how the rest of that draft unfolded, we we took plenty of defensive guys too, yeah. and and got some help in that area.
1: If Moss wasn't on the board at, at twenty one when you guys went to go pick, do you remember? Do you remember some of the guys that you guys were considering um, at that time in the first round?
0: Um, not, that
1: was a while ago. Really, <laughs> I,
0: I, I'm sure they were. I'm sure they, I, I know they were defensive guys. I, I remember. I think Tabucky Jones is a is a name that pops – Okay in my mind. Syracuse. Yep. I think went yeah, may, may have gone to the to the Patriots and yep. but that may have been the next draft. Uh I'm not I'm not positive about about how that all unfolded, but but the uh but certainly I am sure we had a bunch of defensive guys lined up. Yeah, if we had not if Moss had been taken one pick before us because we mm-hmm. always had five guys on our board that we were ready to jump to.
1: Right. Uh last thing on Moss, he was unfortunately traded to the Raiders in two thousand five. Um So, if you were still with the Vikings in 2005, do you think Moss would have been more like a Larry Fitzgerald type and remained, you know, maybe with just one franchise for most of his NFL career?
0: Well, I think it's hard to say because again, (laughs) I I I can't remember what exactly they got for him. I don't think it was a lot at that point. Uh, Yeah,
1: it was like Napoleon Harris and like maybe a first-round pick, I think, and maybe something else.
0: Yeah, right. And and so. uh, I, I guess personally, I don't think you. I don't think you <laughs> want to trade your your great players unless mm-hmm. there's really a reason to trade them, or, or if you're getting some kind of astronomical offer in return, which to me would have been several high high draft picks for a guy like that who's, yeah. who's going to be a Hall of Fame player. And uh, and so I, I I don't know exactly what the circumstances were when he was traded, but but yeah, it was kind of an eye opener because he was still a great player at that point in oh, yeah. time and as we saw he he didn't do great in in Oakland but when they traded him to New England has a a record setting couple of years there with Brady so uh, he was still a great player. So yeah, I'm not sure that I would have wanted to make make that deal.
1: <laughs> um I asked you earlier about some of your possible draft regrets, but do you have any just regrets in general from your time in the Vikings front office, maybe some players you weren't able to sign or, or anything like that?
0: Um, not really, because I think that if there were, if there were ever players that, that we wanted to keep and and couldn't because of free agency, there was a reason that we were always tight against the salary cap. And and, and in those days, I get jealous of some of these years, of course, not this year when the cap went down by, by, uh, whatever, $16 million, but, but the previous four or five years when it went up $10 million a year. Uh, I would I was think to myself, wow, in the years that I was I was managing the cap and and, and trying to sign players and the cap would go up maybe a million dollars or two million dollars <laughs> and, and I had contracts that were taking us over the cap, had to restructure some deals and and it's yeah, so I, I think from that standpoint certainly there were there were several free agents that I would have loved to have signed. But but also I think when as a contract negotiator you also have to bear in mind how it affects other players on your team, and so I think that in looking back, there's certainly one of my main philosophies was to try to get our top players extended, and and so I, I think that I would have loved to have gotten, for example, John Randall extended. I tried to extend him, couldn't get it done to him. We finally had the match an offer from Miami that that made him the highest paid defensive tackle in the league, mm. and. We could have saved some money in that area, but, but John was worth it. And so mm-hmm. I, I never minded pay, paying players top dollar if, if they're producing and they're great players because it, then, then they deserve it. And right. I think that's fine. And, and it's kind of the philosophy I took over to the agent business thinking, Hey, we need to get the best deals for our players, but we also have to have the best fit for our players yep. and make sure that, that they're in the right situation with, with teams that with a team that, that they have a great fit for.
1: Yeah, I think they the Vikings right now, they carry a uh, a similar philosophy. I know Spielman likes to reward the guys that they drafted and developed, so it's good to see that it's kind of a, a tradition within the franchise. I'll get you out of here right. on a positive note. What would you say you're most proud of from your time with the Vikings?
0: Uh, I, I, I think just that whole 1998 season yeah. and how how we had built that team throughout the '90s and and really had had some really good success and very strategically, with, especially with some of our drafts and, for example, taking a, a Todd Stucy one year, the next year Corey Stringer. Yep. <clears throat> they were the bookend tackles, the backbone of our offensive line, and and being able to sign a Randall Cunningham, for example, who, who, who could go ahead and have that fantastic MVP season. And I think just the way we built that, that 98 team and, and being able to, to re-sign Robert Smith as a transition pre-agent fighting off an offer from Seattle, being able to re-sign John Randall and keeping that whole group together, uh, getting extensions done for guys like Chris Carter. I, I think that that, that team was really special and it was really fun, uh, to, to be here with, with a bunch of those guys, uh, in, in 2018 when we had, uh, we had the the twenty year reunion of that oh, of that nineteen ninety eight team and and it was it was a, a terrific experience to to be with them at, at the Vikings opener that year and walk out on the field with those guys and it's just really a, a, a great group of guys had a great great chemistry in that organization uh, in that team at that point in time and and it was it was on the one hand that was a, a very special year on the other hand it was a very kind of traumatic year because we're dealing with <laughs> With ownership changes and mm-hmm. and uh, McCombs is coming in, and at one point Tom Clancy was going to buy the team, and mm-hmm. and oh, yeah. Roger Hedrick is trying to write a first refusal. So there was a lot of turmoil up up in the ownership level. But meanwhile, we in the front office we put our heads down and just kept working and trying to keep the team together. And the result was this this fantastic team. My only regret is we didn't go to the Super Bowl with that team. And I had been at the, to the Super Bowl. With, in my rookie season with the Vikings yep. in 76. And the team, of course, hasn't been back since. And I hadn't been back since. And when we lost that championship game to Atlanta, I thought, I don't know when I'm going to get back to a Super Bowl. And then <laughs> lo and behold, a year later, I'm in Tennessee yeah. and we go to the Super Bowl. So you <laughs> never know how it's going to turn out.
1: <laughs> no, it was, that was a great team and, and a team, no Vikings fan will, will ever forget. Even if you're, you know, 10 years old or whatever, they're, they're going to know about the 98 team just because of how, legendary it was but that's going to do it for us today thanks for hopping on the show jeff do you have a twitter account that people can follow
0: yes it's at jeff diamond nfl
1: there you go seems pretty simple also make sure to go check out his podcast what is the name of that again
0: the uh, jeff diamonds vikings and nfl insider on the TalkNorth.com com network
1: there you go. Make sure to check that podcast out. Make sure to follow this pod. Well, follow the Viking Age on Twitter and Facebook, and subscribe to this podcast on the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. But until next time, we will talk to you later. legally gamble in Blackhawk, Central City, Cripple Creek, and licensed online sports betting. Protect our communities. Learn more at playlegitco.com. A message from the Colorado Division of Gaming. Gambling problem? Call or text 1-800-GAMBLER.
0: For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus,